The NBA season is over, but Combo's court continues. Combo Nation! What is up, everyone? And welcome to episode 481 of Combo's Court. And I am Combo. Today's show, Corey of No Ceilings, joins in for an NBA mock draft. Always great talking basketball, NBA draft, and more with Corey. We recorded this one in studio at Gotham Podcast Studios in New York City. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. No ceilings. What's the vibes, man? It's good to have you here in person. What is new? What's popping? Man, I I'm stoked to be here. We're we're live in studio. You know, so often you do these podcasts, they're uh, over Zoom or or some kind of streaming platform, but we're live. We're lit in New York City in person. I'm I'm ready to rock, man. Let's do it. What are your general thoughts, especially when it comes to the lottery? This draft specifically, I I think the lottery is really strong. Uh, I mean, obviously, you have a generational talent in Victor Wembanyama, uh, who you know has been playing basically all through this draft cycle, made it to the finals, led his team. Um, but even beyond that, you know, I, I think there are so many impact players in this draft. I mean, you know, the the further you get down, now that like a bunch of guys have dropped out um, and have decided to go back to school to get the bag. Obviously, there it gets a little murky, but the top of the draft, I think there are impact players, and now it's just about finding them the right fit, the right system, um, and getting them ready to you know, do their thing in the NBA. But I, I think that there's a lot of modern NBA players that are in this draft. Yeah, a lot of wings, I would say. A lot of wings, yeah. Not not so much you know, bigs that could shoot or anything like that, but a lot of the, the wings that everybody everybody's looking for. It's interesting because wings, I mean, bigs that could shoot would probably give Denver more of a problem than they had with like, you know, that he, that kind of like Bam Draymond role is kind of easier for Jokic to defend, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, but Denver did a really good job surrounding him with guys like Aaron Gordon, Bruce Brown, kind of the, the wings that you want right. that, that aren't sexy taking in the I mean, Aaron Gordon was, a, a you know, a top five pick. You know, he was a sexy pick for, for what he possibly could be. But I think he's actually a good barometer for what maybe you're getting for from some of these guys as far as impact go, as far as role. Like, these guys might not be a number one, two option. That wasn't his best path. You know, he was yeah. a good player in Orlando. But this is this is the the role that made him a champion. So I, I do think there are guys that are that have that in them. And it just is it going to be their first team, their second team or their third team? Most definitely. All right. So we're here for a mock draft, Corey. And I won't even ask you who do you have with the Spurs. I'll ask you why are you taking Wemby number one with the Spurs? Uh, maybe he's the, the the Jokic breaker. I mean, okay. in, in the Western Conference <laughs> now, you know, you're going to need that uh, that kind of guy who maybe could make Jokic work a little bit harder on both ends of the court. I mean, look, right. that, that's not why you take him. You take him because he's seven five with like small forward shooting guard movement patterns. Yeah. Uh, I still think that. You know, a, a lot of people are ju- they just watch the highlights, and the highlights are so 
unbelievable that you're like, oh my God, I can't believe somebody moves like this. But sometimes he's still growing into his body. He looks like, uh, you know, like when a cartoon has like roller skates on and sometimes their their yeah. legs go a little crazy. But you're going to get those moments and you're going to get the moments where he's dunking the ball after shooting his own that shot, was following it up. Yeah, it's On like, a step back. Oh Yeah, like you're going to get bizarre stuff like that that we've never seen. Basically, he's somebody that we've never seen before. So there's not really any way to predict his outcome because it's it's unlike anything we've ever seen. Yeah, the like the YouTube shorts, real version of that looked absolutely insane. Like it didn't look real <laughs> because you just see him shoot and then all of a sudden follow into a put back dunk. Like moments like that, I, I don't think anybody will ever forget that moment right there. No. Yeah. Okay, so number two, this is where the draft really starts. Yep. I think you know who I would have at number two, but for you, I'm thinking Brandon Miller or Scoot. Uh, maybe you'll surprise me here, but you know you're on the clock with the number two pick. I'm gonna roll with Brandon Miller. Um, me too. We did this in the preseason. Yeah, and uh, you can go back and listen to that podcast. We had guys I think that are ultimately going to be in that top five range that other people did not. Right. That are proving that they they are getting that kind of buzz. Um, I'm writing about Brandon Miller for NoCeilingsNBA.com later this week um, leading up to the draft. So I've been really diving into his film. And, and, and I think he gets billed as just a shooter. Really? That's you know, like, um, and he, I think he, you know, obviously, like, he's a guy people say could play with the ball in their hand. That's why he's getting Paul George comparisons. But I feel like people are underrating his ability to play with the ball in his hands from pick and roll setups and operating as a passer to just his space creation ability. A lot of people don't think he could separate. Um, and they just think like, oh, he's got a low release. I like guess it's going to be harder in the league. You, He's doing some stuff with the, the ball in his hands. I mean, he's got that thing on a string. He plays at pace. He gets high to low, like plays at the different cadences. I think that he's got a pretty sick crossover to create space. Um, and I, I mean, look, I think Scoot is really talented. And I don't think this is a fit thing for me. I just think Brandon Miller is a better prospect. I agree with you. And also, the fit is better, right? The fit is better, yeah. for sure. And and I think that that's something that's underrated. Because, like, you know, we just saw this kind of play out in Sacramento mm-hmm. with De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton. Both guys, unbelievable. They fit together, right? It was fine. But it wasn't until they separated. They both got better. They both got better. Right. And I think that Scoot and LaMelo, if that's the direction that Charlotte goes, I think that it'll work. But will they be able to maximize their talents? And I don't think that they will. How do you feel about the reporting around Brandon Miller? Because I feel like it's been unfair to him because we really don't know the details of of his situation. And then, you know, people are saying he didn't interview well. And we find out that wasn't really the case, right? Like he just gave a statement of what he doesn't want to talk about. I don't think there's any problem with that. And then they say he's out of shape when he was definitely sick. Like, what is this thing with, like, this movement against Brandon Miller? It's smoke season. I think if you like Brandon Miller, maybe you want to put some stuff out there that maybe there's some stuff that's going wrong with him, right? Like, That's interesting. uh, I think at this time of the year, if you hear intel, just put it up top, keep it there, but also don't buy into it 100%. Like, you could use it. Maybe it plays out that way. But I just think that GMs right now – why would they tell you like the real like a a, a media person what what do they get out of telling Jonathan Gavoni or Woj or whoever that this is happening they get nothing out of this other than we're trying to put something that favors our organization it's a chess it's you know they're playing chess ultimately is is how I feel but it's not fair to him it's not Um, fair to him it's not fair to him because you know why the people start picking this up 
on Twitter, and then it like it gets it's out ag- of control. It's aggregated yeah. by because it's a, the the blogs are about clicks and stuff. Um, you know, wh- I don't think we've talked about that situation really one time at No Ceilings, and we covered yeah. the draft. We keep it basketball. We keep it basketball oh, focused. Yeah. I don't know anything about that situation. He's not even allowed to talk about it. He, it's not like he was giving the like teams like, hey, I don't want to talk about this. Like his lawyers are like, hey. This is an ongoing investigation. You can't talk about it. Right. So, so I right. I think that's pretty reasonable. And that doesn't mean you give a bad interview. Like bad interview is like, I don't know, your body language, you know, your attitude. Yeah. And when somebody says he hasn't been interviewing good, people would think about that. Yeah. You know what I mean? The other thing too, like with the interview stuff, like we get it every year. LaMelo, terrible interview by yeah. all accounts. Everyone said that he was he was awful. Lamelo's a pretty good NBA player. Last year it was Tari Eason. This guy, yeah. you know, he had a pretty good rookie year. I, even if it's like an upperclassman who's like 22, we're like, oh, this mature player. It's a 22 year old kid. Like, yeah. the, I, I get that they grow up in a, you know the the technology era, so maybe they're a little bit more comfortable. But like, they're still talking to people in an interview setting. That's uncomfortable at any age, especially for somebody who still has so much growing and maturing to do. Obviously, you would love a guy who's wise, mature, beyond his years, who's like interviewing great. That that would reflect, you know, really well. Obviously, but it can't be the end all, be all when you're evaluating somebody. Like you said, we got to get back to basketball because you know somebody who's really talented could just get uncomfortable in interview situations. That doesn't mean that they're going to get tight when there's a minute left in a game. That's a totally yeah. different thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm sure Kawhi wasn't the best interview, right? <laughs> yeah. All right, let's shift number three. Portland in an interesting situation. We don't know. If we're going to try and pair somebody with Dame or we're going to go in a total rebuild, you're on the clock, Portland. Uh, I think what's interesting about the the recent news that, you know, uh, the the pick to New Orleans is interested in trading potentially for the pick. In this scenario, you know, uh, they want Scoot. Makes sense. What do they have? They got a guy like Brandon Ingram who in the Portland front office has been – very much so dating back to his draft in favor of Brandon Ingram, Mike Schmitz. Oh, <laughs> your guy. My guy, Mike Schmitz. He <laughs> loved Brandon. He had him above Ben Simmons. I don't know. Maybe there's a there's a deal to be worked out there. But as far as a mock draft goes, um, I will say that I'm going to take Scoot here. But I think if you're trying to win and you're trying to satisfy Dane, I think that you have to at least – have Jarris Walker on your mind here. And I know that would push Scoot down to possibly four. Jarris Walker to me is like, if for a team that needs defense, needs offensive connectivity, but is still shooting for the stars with a guy who has offensive potential himself, I think that they have to consider Jarris Walker here. But I'm going to take Scoot here because I do think Scoot's special. I do think learning from Dame is is a really special thing for a point guard to to be able to do on a daily basis because everything I've heard about Dame is like first guy in the gym still, even when his team's not, you know, competing for championships. Mm-hmm. He's still the guy who's setting that bar, that example. Um, and I think that, you know, Dame could play off ball, Scoot's strong enough to guard a couple of spots. So I, I think I'll go with Scoot for the talent, for the value. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's, he's best available at that point. All right, shifting to Houston. Um, who you got? You see, this is a really tough spot. Um, because their front court's pretty pretty set. I I'm gonna take Jarris Walker here. Okay. Uh, I just think he's a better prospect than Jabari Smith. Um, 
and I think he's strong enough to be able to guard fives eventually. Um, yeah, like if he never becomes a star, there's such a likelihood that he'll be a really good role player. He gives me Aaron Gordon vibes on defense. Right, like Aaron yeah. Gordon, Draymond. Yeah. Uh, to me, he's like if Patrick Williams and Isaiah Stewart had a baby. Like that's because he's got like some wing skills too, but he's strong like Isaiah Stewart is. Um, I, there's a little bit of bam in him. I think with mm-hmm. some of the stuff that you can run with him. I think that those guys, like if you if you redrafted Bam's draft, he's going top three, top five, right? right? Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and and I think that uh, ultimately that's what Jarris the the kind of impact he's going to have. Um, and I do think if you could fit him and Jabari next to each other, uh, Shangun and him, I, I think you know he can cover Shangun's defensive weaknesses. But the passing between the two of them, and they just need an adult. Like they need somebody to come in and just not want to gun every single time. They need somebody who's going to like let other guys cook. I think that him running the DHO stuff with Jalen Green to let him get downhill, I think that would be really fun. Um, so I'm going to go Jarris just because I, I think he's the best player available at this point. Pistons, Monty Williams, Cade, who are you bringing in there to help those guys out? <laughs> <laughs> this is a t- So this is tougher than I think people think because there's a lot of names. You got the Thompsons, right? Like... Uh, I, I do think though at, at a certain point you have to consider fit, but I'm gonna go with the Sar Thompson. Okay. Um, I, I, a lot of people have Cam Whitmore pegged here, uh, and I like Cam a lot, but I think that one, I, I think I have the same question marks about Asar and Cam as shooters. I think that they're they're both fine shooters. They're or they're not good shooters one at quick the catch, moment. One quick thing on Cam, I always notice that everything stops with him. There's no Ball flow stopper. to his game. And to get his jump shot up, he often relies on a jab step to get rhythm. He's He stops the ball. He stops the movement. That's not how basketball's played. And especially now, we're seeing how Denver and even the Heat are playing. It's .5. You got to yeah. make quick decisions. Yeah. And he did not do that. The ball stopped, like you said, jab step, jab step. And then he's doing combo moves, step back. And that stuff's impressive. What, what I like about Asar is that I think he's a better shooter than his brother. A similar tiered athlete. And also, I think he's arguably a similar tiered passer. You know, he every he actually averaged more assists than Amen did during the OTE season. Um, so I like his connective ability, cut, shoot open jumpers, doesn't have to cook all the time, good defender. Uh, I, I like him, Cade, Ivy, Durin, like young core that can grow together. Other guy I considered was Taylor Hendricks because I think at the four, the spacing, I think eventually you they, that team does need shooters. Yeah. Right? Bogdanovich yeah. is not on that same timeline. Um but uh, I do like Asar. I, I think I've seen him in person a couple of times. Really impressive. I've spoken with him. Like, good kid. So I, I'm going to take Asar Thompson there. So we're shifting to another team that needs shooters, the Orlando Magic. <laughs> I love everything they're doing there. They're building a team around two-point forward type players. You are on the clock, Corey. Yeah, I'm I'm really digging myself a, a hole here, just talent-wise and fit-wise. Because they're another team. Like, you have Paolo, you have Franz. Your forward positions are locked up unless you don't believe in them. And why would they not believe in them? This is the best thing that's happened to that organization probably since Dwight Howard. At center, you have Wendell Carter, who's good. Yeah, I like him. I a like lot. Wendell. Yeah. He's in, he's one of these guys that I think does play like point five basketball. Bam, bam vibes. Bam sure. vibes a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, I don't not as impactful. Um, yeah. but he's found his way in Orlando. I, I cheap contract for for his production so i don't think he's yeah. a guy they're looking to move off of and he's steadily improving like he's adding something a little bit he's adding a little something every year yes yeah yeah he's shooting it now yeah spacing the floor um at least to the level you would want it out of a center right 
A lot of people say they need a point guard. I don't agree. I like Markel Fultz. I do too. I think that. And also Paulo and Franz, they, they initiate. They handle the yeah. ball a lot. Yeah. So I'm going to go with Keontae George here, which Ooh. is higher than people are talking about him right now, but he came into the year around this spot. Now he, you know, he struggled with inefficiency. A lot of the players that I've talked to that have played against him are like, you know, he's he's definitely confidence on a thousand has to kind of shape up his shot selection a little bit. But what I like about him is like, I think there's some Jamal Murray vibes to him. Like okay. people talk about him like he's got to cook with the ball in his hands. I kind of think that he's the kind of guy that can play without the ball. I think he did a really good job playing. He played next to a bunch of guards, LJ Cryer, uh, Adam Flagler. Like, so he knows how to play without the ball. He's running off floppy action, you know, doing baseline stuff. Flair knows when to flare. Um, and I think he would fit really well as an off-ball guy who, when one of those guys sits on the bench, can cook himself. And this year, his passing impressed me in a way that I wasn't expecting it. So I'm going to go with Keontae George for Orlando. Yeah, you mentioned Jamal Murray, and you know we just got done with the NBA Finals. It's interesting. It's so important for your guards to be able to weave with the ball and without the ball, right? Weave oh, in and out of that. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like, because there's a time where he's gonna, you're gonna need a guard to cook, and you could argue that they have Cole Anthony, but he's a little smaller. Um, yeah. A little bit more. He's of, rigid positionally, right? It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think I think Keontae's got a little bit more willingness to play off the ball than Cole does, and a little bit more positional versatility to do that. And and I think that you know he's only six four, but he's big, he's strong, and when you have guys like Paulo and Franz, you they offer you that positional you know defensive versatility to cover a little bit as the mock decision maker for the combos court 2023 nba mock draft who will you pair with tyrese halliburton and the indiana pacers at number seven i'm gonna go with taylor Hendricks here okay yeah um love taylor Hendricks. his game's pretty simple there's not much to break down like Shoots it at 40% at 6'9", 7 foot and a half inch wingspan, um, almost two blocks a game defensively, really good help side defender. Can move on the perimeter. Um, I think that's going to get better. Sometimes his hip, hips get a little tight. But uh, I watched film with him, and we broke it down, and the thing that stood out the most is he's like, I just want to win. I just want to do the things that allow us to win. I, right. don't, I don't need to be flashy. I think Tyrese Halliburton makes him better. I think the defensive front court with Miles Turner, who's still young, and yeah. Taylor Hendricks, um, I think they're fairly similar, but I think in what they do, it's it's okay that they overlap a little bit. Um, yeah. And the floor spacing with Halliburton, Turner, Hendricks. Healed. Healed, yeah, if they decide to keep him, allows Ben Matherin to just continue to just attack downhill with reckless yeah. abandon. And he could shoot it too. So I, I like what Hendricks offers at a position of need. And I think he's you know a worthwhile talent. Okay, number eight. I don't know the direction of this franchise, the Washington no, Wizards. No one does. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. I would think that you'd go with best available in your opinion here. Who do you have? You are on the clock with the Washington Wizards. Um, I'm going to go with Anthony Black. Okay. Um, one of my favorite prospects in this NBA draft. I think that he fits either direction. If you want to completely rebuild, like, true, great guy, you know, yeah. fits the direction of the modern NBA with right. plus positional size, feel, all that. But also, if you, if, Bradley Beal is like, hey, I, I don't want to get traded. I actually want to continue to play here, which he has the option to do with his no-trade clause. I think he's the perfect guard to play next to mm-hmm. Bradley Beal. Because play he, next to any guard. Any yeah, guard. Yeah, 100%, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, um, I, I think what people don't realize about because I hear people like, oh, he's, he doesn't really pressure the rim a lot. I'm like, are we sure? Because I'm pretty sure he had like a free throw rate above 50%. Um, and he, like with a guy who could pass like that uh, – I mean, guys who get downhill, get to the rim. He had, I think, over 25 dunks. Like, 
he pressures the rim in a way that is sneaky just because he's you know not like super flashy with his handle and he's pretty efficient with it um it's the list of guys who had his kind of season from a rim pressure playmaking perspective is john wall and ben simmons yeah and that's the list yeah so i i don't know if he's the same tier as those guys as prospects but i think every every player that i've talked to has said like yo that kid goes yeah yeah low-key one of the better defensive prospects in the last few years and what I saw in Maui was like an ability to shoot. Yeah, he looked like a superstar. I, yeah, right I know he was 30%, and that's the one knock on him. But I think he'll get it eventually. Yeah, it it's smooth up. To, you know what it is? Like each aspect of his shot is fine. It just doesn't work in synergy. Mm, you know, like it's, yeah, it's yeah. a little mechanical. Like, And sometimes when he just shoots it like on a low shot clock or whatever, and there's no time for him to think, it looks better. Right, right. So I, I'm with you. I buy the shot in the long term. Maybe he's not going to be clay but like 34 35 percent you, don't, you like, don't need to be clay. no he doesn't yeah, yeah. need to no <laughs> i mean if he's clay he's there's a chance for all time right there right shooting. <laughs> all right utah another team that was almost too good to tank this season where are you going here Corey? i'm gonna go with amen thompson here okay um yeah, I, he, he slid because he yeah. was in you know top three or four range he was and yeah. he, he still could I, yeah. I think that i could see him going to houston you know and playing in the backcourt there uh Again, he, I've seen him a couple of times up close. You know, I, I got videos on my phone of him just shooting in an empty gym. Mm. It's not pretty, <laughs> you know. Like, yeah. Uh, but his he's a top tier, you know, one percent athlete. Yes. Um, he's a really creative passer. I do think that he gets a little overrated as a passer because I think he does a lot of flashy stuff. But I, I think the the nuanced Luca type. All right, I'm gonna manipulate this by just slowly getting downhill and then play at different speeds and then hit the. I don't know if he's got that 100% yet, but also he was playing in a league that maybe doesn't allow that fully. But in Utah, that athleticism, kind of their five-out system, yeah. all that space, I, I think that is like his perfect fit for, for Amen Thompson to maximize his ability. Um, and, you know, great coaching staff too, so. Yeah. Number 10, Dallas. You have to think about Luka when you're making this pick. Who fits well with him? You do. You are on the clock with the Dallas Mavericks. All right. So ideally, if you're the Dallas Mavericks, you want to walk away, I think, with one of Jairus Walker or Taylor Hendricks. But they're already off the board. So this is the likely scenario they're going to find themselves in. Uh, I'm going to go with Kobe Bufkin here. Mm. Uh, I think there's a little Jalen Brunson in in Bufkin's game. He measured taller than I think people were expecting at the combine. I think he's going to be close to 6'6 in shoes. Um He's getting, he put on a lot of weight this season. I think he's going to continue. He's got a good shoulder, you know, broad mm-hmm. shoulders. I think he's going to put on good weight. Finished 70% at the rim this year. Wow. Which for a guard is like incredible. Incredible. 67% in the half court, too. So it's not like he was just leaking out and getting, you know, fast break layups or dunks. Right. Um, I think the pace he plays at, I think he could play on or off the ball. If Dallas keeps the pick, I would go this way. I could also see them going a guy like Derek Lively shoring up the defense a little bit. That's what I was thinking. Because for Derek, I hope he gets on a team like Dallas and not on a team like Miami or Denver. Because even though I think we're flowing towards, we're trending towards decentralized offense, he fits better in a heliocentric type offense with his rim running. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Like, keep it simple run to the rim like i don't buy the shot yet like maybe down the line um we saw it in combine we saw it at the combine you know people (laughs) want to go back to like oh he did it in high school a little bit it's like kind of like (laughs) he didn't do it well and so 
just run the rim, clean up the garbage. I I, I like that pick too because he was a really really impressive defender. Even though like people are going to look at it the fact that he just had five point you know scored five points a game or whatever. That Duke team was not a team that had a lot of playmakers on it. Um, but uh, his defensive impact, twelve percent block percentage, uh, really impactful box score plus minus just from a strictly advanced stat like. He's a guy that it's almost like he's a can't miss guy. Yep. Number 11, the Orlando Magic. They need shooting. I'm thinking Grady Dick. I'm thinking Jordan Hawkins. It's it's on you, Corey. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> so those are just some suggestions. <laughs> so for the Magic, I'm going to give you shooting. Yes. But not those guys. Not those guys. I'm going to a guy that I have as a top 10 guy. I'm going to go with Bryce Sensabaugh okay. from Ohio State. Okay. Um, I think he's evolutionary DeRozan. Wow. Yeah. His, okay. His footwork in the mid-range, his craft. Tough. Unbel- like for his age, for a freshman, crazy. He shot 48, 40, 83 this year. Wow. Um, I mean, his body, I think strength gets underrated as a, a, a something we look at in prospects. Like, mm. I think you have to be able to handle the physicality of the game and yeah. the NBA is a bunch of big dudes. I think he's strong enough to handle that physicality. He looks like he's in better shape, of course, because it's the pre-draft process and everybody gets in good shape for um, this time of year. But if he can keep that weight off, I, I mean, I think he's so talented. And he shot 41% from three on 11 attempts per 100 possessions, which is like really good volume. So if even if you just you're looking at him, his highlights, and you're like, oh, he cooks in the mid-range. This is a guy who could space the floor for you too and doesn't have to. But similarly, like he could also cook with the ball in his hands, I think he showed passing flashes that are going to be more accentuated at the next level when there's more space and he has more yeah. shooters right? Um, and in, in a system that fits it. So I, I think that he's the most underrated prospect in the entire draft. Wow. Who's the best shooter in this draft? I think there's an argument for him. I think okay. there's an argument for Grady. Yes. Um, I think I would go with Jordan Hawkins. Wow. Um, just because I think that his versatility as a shooter is – kind of unparalleled the movement that like it's jj reddick type stuff you know like great and, and a winner obviously and he's a winner <laughs> yeah obviously um you know and a local kid so uh, yeah. but i mean the way that he it's beautiful basketball to watch and i think brad steven said about kyle corver i believe it was that he might average 13 points but you have to guard him like he averages 30 wow yeah. and i think that jordan hawkins has similar movement ability without the ball in a way that I don't think I saw from Grady. I didn't see from Bryce. I didn't a little bit from Keontae, but Jordan Hawkins was a little bit more consistent with his shooting throughout the year. Um, so I would probably, and 88, 89% from the free throw line, which I think is the indicator of, 100%. are you a, an elite, elite shooter? Like, are 100%. you 40% close to 40 from three? And are you like at 87, 88, 89, 90 from the free throw line? Yeah. Even it depends on the type of shots the player is shooting. And then when you pair that with their free throw percentage, like even if they're 33, 34, it looks good. And they're just taking tougher shots in the NBA than they would in the league because of the spacing and their role difference. I think like shooting the free throw is a big indicator and just also the way they shoot the basketball, right? Like yeah. you got to look at that as well. The team of the future. I thought this team would, <laughs> you know, turn away from tank mode with the addition of Chet, you know, how he provides rim protection and then he didn't even get to play and they still turned away from tank mode. So this team is so dynamic. SGA will be, I think, an MVP candidate for years to come. Who do you have, Corey? I'm going to go with Bilal Kulabali. Oh, he's been trending upwards. Yeah, Victor. But part of that is because he's continuing to play, right? (laughs) I think so. I think, uh, but he's continuing to play, but he's continuing to get better. 
He really is. Um, which is, I think, the trajectory that. <laughs> and I love like the Euro game he got. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, yeah. His footwork, like, yeah, like the Euro step yeah. is crazy. He's so he's so smooth. Yeah. He's so smooth. Like, I, and and that kind of footwork, like, you just you could tell how guys move on a court sometimes. You're like, this is gonna work. He's gonna be a player defensively. Um, he's gonna be great. I mean. Seven two, seven three wingspan reportedly. Obviously, he didn't go to the combine. He didn't measure because he's still playing um, at the time. So, I think his shot, similar to Ant Black, is a little slow, a little mechanical. Mm-hmm. But I buy it in the long term. I think that's going to get better. And if you're OKC, you have Chip England, who's you know arguably the best shooting coach of all time. So, I, I think that's a great landing spot for somebody who needs uh, some some work on their shot. <laughs> yeah, where would you land on him as a shooter? Because I feel like. You know, percentage-wise, it's a little bit better than Anthony, right? Yeah. Yeah. I buy him as a shooter a little bit more so. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, early on. As much as I like least. Anthony Black, I'd have to say that, like, Bilal is probably a better shooter at this point. Yeah. Even though, like, the competition is just different. You can't even say what's better and worse. I mean, obviously, Bilal, well, Bilal was playing second division for a little bit, killing yeah. there, and then he played, which was probably below what Anthony was playing, but then eventually played with the big boys, which right. is probably above what Anthony yes. was playing. Yeah, for sure. Because, you know, they got teams like, Asphalt, who's, you know, Euro League and, and stuff. So he, he definitely played like high level. And that's the thing that's impressive about him. He played high level competition. And Wemby thinks he should go top five. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> hey, Wemby might be a great, a great scout. Who knows, right? Most definitely. Better NBA prospect, LeBron James or Wemby? I'm still going LeBron. Okay. Why so? I think that there were no durability questions about. LeBron James, um, and I, I do think that you have to factor that in as far as like a prospect goes. Like Wemby has dealt with injuries throughout his young career, not this year, but he was only playing one game a week. Um, I think that it's hard to argue that LeBron didn't live up to his enormous potential as somebody who has four championships on three teams, all-time leading scorer, kind of shifted the game to valuing these do-it-all big strong wings i can defend literally all five positions i i don't i i still think if those two guys were coming up at the same time i would still value that guy who i don't have certain questions about versus wemby who i I at least will always wonder like what's the history of guys who are seven foot five staying healthy it's like pretty slim right there so i i'm still going i probably even go kareem Ooh. over him, Ooh. to be honest. Um, I think Bo Jackson was a better prospect than all of them. But that's a totally <laughs> other discussion for another other day. All right, so we're done with our mock draft. We got a great Wemby LeBron question. And last thing we, before we get out of here for the real draft nerds out there, draft sleeper. Who's the biggest draft sleeper for you? I had Nicola, but then he took his name out the draft. <laughs> um, and I'm not talking about Jokic or Jovic. No. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I love Trecavion. And I don't even know if he's a sleeper at this point. Like, I feel like in your community, he's not a sleeper. But right. For, you know, somebody not paying attention to the draft, he would be a sleeper. So who would you have before we get out of here? For a quick on to Quavion, I, I went to see him in Boston when they played Boston College. And um, it was crazy. Like, you know, you watch guys play sometimes. And you're like, oh, they're playing a different game than the rest of the guys yeah. right now. Like, he he was getting to his spots. And whenever it, he wanted to, he can get a shot up. And it, there was nothing to def- If when you he, watch him in pickup ball, you might think he's a lottery pick. Yeah. There's, I, you know what I mean? He doesn't miss because defenders make him miss. Right, He right. misses because he missed the shot. You yeah, know, and yeah, he yeah. definitely has stuff he's got to get strong. There's stuff he's got to work on. But uh, I could see him having that Jordan Poole impact um, yeah. for the right team. Let's see. For As far as sleepers go, uh, I think that um, – 
Marcus Sasser is a Ooh. sleeper. Yeah, you've been talking about him a lot. He's a winner, crazy shooter, like tight handle, doesn't turn it over, um, plays both sides. I think Colby Jones is a sleeper. Okay. I, I think that Colby Jones is a guy who's going to go later than he should when we look back. If you look at the guys who like, we were like, oh, I can't believe that uh, Cody Martin impacted the game, or I, I can't believe that uh, Josh Hart impacted the game so much, Derek White, um, all of these wingy, Max Struess, like all these guys who were like, oh, their game is boring, maybe. Max Struess was not boring in Summer League, though. No. That guy was a killer, bro. <laughs> you know what's crazy? I saw him uh, play the Long Island Nets when, with the Windy City Bulls, and I think he was recovering from his injury. And I was like, oh, man, this guy looks like trash right now. Like he, was, <laughs> he was coming back from his injury. Summer League, he looked like MJ <laughs> when I was watching him. Corey, great stuff. We got it done. You're always welcome back on the show. Where can we find you? Social media? Everywhere else? I mean, at Corey Tulliba on Twitter, NBA Draft Dude, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, and then NoCeilingsNBA.com. Appreciate you taking the time. You're always welcome back on the show. Talk soon. My man. Yes, sir. There it is. Another episode of Combo's Court is in the books. Big shouts to Corey of No Ceilings for joining in. Always great talking NBA Draft and more with Corey. Big shouts to Gotham Podcast Studios in New York City. We appreciate you. Punch down on that subscribe button for more Combos Court in the future. Be on the lookout for episode 482. Combo out.